you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Hey, college students, are you looking for a way to get ahead this summer? Northwestern University is offering hundreds of undergrad courses online this summer. Choose an intensive sequence in learning. Registration is open now. Visit northwestern.edu slash summer for details. All right, we're going to do uh, like we did last Friday. We're going to do a shortened local news, and then we're going to get right to our interview at 1.30 with Kelly Cassidy. That's right. Kelly Cassidy is going to be talking Madigan Gate. She was in the news yesterday. As soon as the news broke, I was like, Ben, get Kelly Cassidy right now. And he was like, oh, D, good Lord, cracking the whip. And I'm like, yes, come on. And so we got Kelly Cassidy. So uh, I'll be hitting her up uh, via Google Meet, our new favorite uh, device. Isn't that right, Ben? I love it. By the way, that's exactly how it went down. That's how it goes on this show. That's goes. Come here, son. I want KC and I want her. I want you get back to me in 15 minutes. No, yeah, maybe, uh, you know, she might show up. I'm like, yes, sir, Mr. D. There we go. That's how it works, right, D? Yep, a little behind the scenes uh, action there for all of you. (laughs) All right, your Ben Jarofsky show featuring State Rep Kelly Cassidy for Friday, July 31st is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank these unions for sponsoring our program. Unions like. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. Well, the police are coming by here. Uh Here they they come. It's the last Bendrowski show for Dennis. (laughs) Here they come. Oh, my gosh. Hey. Okay. You guys talking about Madigan in there? All right. Here we go. Uh, (laughs) Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150 are sponsors, as well as our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hey, everybody. Let me tell you about voting by mail. It's pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard 
safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote by mail application. So visit votemailchicago.com. That's votemailchicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Now, our host, Ben Jarofsky, has a song of the day. I'm a little surprised that's not a song from uh, one of the artists in Lollapalooza this weekend. Ben just <laughs> adores Lollapalooza. Uh, it's an older hit. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Benny J, hit him with that Friday song of the day. All right, hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really impressed that Dennis knew this song when I sang it earlier today. One, two, hold on, bam. One, one, two, giving himself a countdown. Like countdown. he's got a band behind him or something. <laughs> a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. A one, a two, one, two, three. Here I am, science is the limit. I'm your dead, 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 dead. Woo! <laughs> yeah, man. The Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show starts now. It is Friday, July 31st, and live from my apartment and Ben's attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, Illinois State Rep KC Kelly Cassidy will join us, and it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. And now your host, signed, sealed, delivered, he's yours? Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Matter Wait Friday. And here's why. Because we're waiting. That's why we're calling it Matter Wait. That's correct. We're waiting to see how many Democrats are going to step up and say that House Speaker Michael Madigan should step down. So hence... The name Matta Wait, a name that Dennis and I came up to came up with after like an hour of pre-show prep uh, of working, trying some names, throwing them out. Actually, none of that happened. Rumor has uh, it that he's uh, getting a gig at the Sun Times as one of the headline writers. What a pun, Ben! <laughs> oh my God, the Sun Times writers would laugh at that. You call that a pun, Ben? Sorry, leave the room. Uh, where are we up to D? Four? Four Democrats have said Madigan should step down, should resign? Oh, we got more than that. There's uh, seven, and uh, according to Rich Miller with the breaking news, eight. More on that Whoa, in moments. moment. Eight. Okay. That's oh, called a tease. Uh, Casey, Kelly Cassidy joined uh, the chorus yesterday, uh, the Northside uh, representative, the leader of the Progressive Caucus. I don't know if she is technically the leader of the Progressive Caucus. I'm sure she'll correct me on that when she comes on. But more or less, she is the titular leader of the Progressive Caucus. She's been at it for a while. Uh, and she has been unafraid, Casey, Kelly Cassidy, to uh, speak out against Madigan. If you recall, she spoke out against him during the Elena Hampton. Uh, situation 
situation that went down about two years ago when Elena Hampton emerged to say that uh, Madigan had ignored her requests for assistance to try to get a uh, another Madigan operative to cease and desist. I know this is very complicated for our out-of-state listeners, Dee, and I'm, I realize that I tend to live in a bubble, my Chicago-Illinois bubble, where I, I just assume that everybody instantly knows who Michael Madigan is, who Kelly Cassidy is, who Elena Hampton is. I, I, it's hard doing this, D, because the hardcore fans of the Ben Jarofsky show really know this stuff. You don't even have to give a first name. Hampton, they know. Or Elena, they know. KC, they know. You know, Michael Joseph Madigan, they know. But then, you know, I'm worried about people outside. I'm confused. So let me try to explain it uh, in a way that uh, would be instantly understandable to somebody who is not from Chicago. View it this way. Michael Joseph Madigan is the leader of the Democratic Party in the state of Illinois. And he is, in some respects, just follow me and just, just bear with me in this. In some respects, he's the Democratic equivalent in Illinois to what Donald John Trump is for Republicans nationwide. And that is a figure of immense power and authority for whom many party members are really scared to protest, to call out when they clearly do something wrong. Now, uh, Michael Joseph Madigan had got snared up in a uh, a scandal. Commonwealth Edison uh, has pled guilty to having attempted to essentially bribe Madigan by putting his cronies on the payroll and doling out contracts uh, to other of his cronies and putting one of his pals on their board. Uh, They've agreed to pay a $200 million fine. So they have made, uh, they have confessed to a a serious charge, all right? Uh, Madigan says, even if those people were hired, he was not in any way tempted to do any favors for Commonwealth Edison, so he should hold on to his job. I personally believe that ethically, that's too far, even for a state like Illinois, which is notoriously corrupt. Although, you know, as I think about it, I don't know how much more corrupt Illinois is than any other state, but let's just put that to a side. I think it's too much. I think he should step down. He's been office for an awfully long time. And it's hard for me to say this, because I sincerely appreciate the role he played in those four years from 2014 to 2018 when Illinois was ruled by a right-wing Republican named Bruce Rauner who was trying to do to Illinois what Scott Walker did to Wisconsin and that's destroy unions. So I sincerely appreciate what Michael Madigan did, but I believe he's gone too far and I believe he should step down. And I believe the Democratic Party should take the next step to sort of like, I don't know, changing its image at the very least, if not as practice. So that's essentially what's going on here in, in Illinois. But it's really reluct- It's really difficult for Democrats to step up. It's easy for me to say this. I'm just some guy in my attic talking. I'm not a state rep. I don't depend on Michael Madigan for my positions on legis- uh, on various committees or whether I get my legislation through or where my office is in Springfield or who my aides are or anything. Uh, any of the things that a state rep would need from a powerful speaker, I don't depend on Madigan like that. I don't have any, I, I, I don't owe Madigan any favors. He never did anything for me. So there's no like loyalty between me and Madigan like there probably are for many of the state reps. Hold on so, now. He did give you that interview on WCPT 820. <laughs> so, I mean, he did give you something 
Yeah, what and what what ended up we at WCPT? Oh yeah, the fire jail. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. Like I said, I don't owe him any favors. A lot of good that interview did me. Huh? When they fired me, they didn't say, you know, we decided to reconsider firing you because of that great interview you did with Michael Joseph Madigan. You know, Javorski, oh, we were on the fence about uh, giving you uh, the, the heave-ho here, but boy, that interview with Madigan. <laughs> bro. Just always got to add the bro. <laughs> Inside joke for Dennis and myself. Anyway. So, yeah, so it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, get rid of Madigan. Okay, I understand that. I appreciate that. But I do believe the Democratic Party should begin the weaning process. All right, that's me. Now, but I also say this, because it's really hard for me just to pretend as though Trump is not happening while we're in the middle of Mattawait. <laughs> Think about it, D, Mattawait. Mattagate, Madigan Gate, Mattawait. And that brings me to a column in today's Sun-Times, which I thought was excellent. It was written by uh, Mona Sharon. I'm not sure if it's Sharon or Sharon. Whenever I talk about her generally with Ramana, I always get it wrong, and Ramana corrects me. And now I can't remember what it is. C-H-A-R-E-N. And uh, she is a conservative columnist. I don't think I agree with her on any issue uh, of the day when it comes to policy. But I have to say she shows a lot of courage and guts uh, because she uh, has consistently criticized Donald Trump and called on Republicans uh, to have a revolt in their party. She thinks he's a tyrant. She thinks he's a bully. She thinks he represents absolutely nothing that the Republican Party should stand for. In other words, she's showing courage in the face of the most powerful man in the Republican Party. Okay, And so she wrote a column today. Republicans have become the burn it all down party. It's in the Sun-Times if you want to read the whole thing. Uh, And she um, she points out uh, what I've been saying all along, that Republicans, no matter what Trump does or says, Republicans are very afraid to speak out. And she points it out. Part of it is because they're afraid that he'll turn on them and they'll lose their seats. And I'll uh, read to you what she writes. So it is possible to speak up about this president and survive. I use the word advisedly because these Republican office holders often use words like, quote, kill or destroy or annihilate when contemplating what Trump would do to them if they raised their heads too far above the parapet. In fact, all that actually threatened them was the possibility of nasty tweets and the chance that they might lose their seats, end of quote. And yet, they still won't speak out. Uh, critics are right to say that very few people in any walk of life display courage on anything, though craven Republicans holding House and Senate posts might want to pause from time to time to contemplate the extraordinary valor of protesters in Hong Kong, Iran, and Egypt, who continue to put their freedom and sometimes their lives at risk by taking to the streets. And should being an elected official really be one's life work? That's the part that really got to me. You know, you're afraid that to speak out against Donald Trump because he'll send out a tweet and then you'll lose in a Republican primary, you'll lose your job, but So what? I can't feel sorry for you. I it's ironic that they have this attitude about holding on to their seats when the Republican Party for the last 20 years has been talking about itself uh, as the party of term limits. 
So you have Republican senators and congressmen cowering with fear about defying Donald Trump on any issue because they're afraid one of his tweets will undercut the reelection campaign. And yet they're the party that when it turns around, when it comes to people like Michael Madigan, call for term limits. So as a Democrat, I find it impossible to weigh in with condemnation of Michael Madigan without quickly pointing out that Republicans have two sets of standards, one for Trump, one for Madigan. So here is my deal that I'm offering Republicans. I criticize Madigan. I've called for Madigan to step down. So therefore, I have the right to criticize Trump. So here's what I say to Republicans. No Republican in the state of Illinois, and that includes Big DB Darren Bailey, and if you're out of state, uh, Darren Bailey's a downstate representative who's effectively come the brains of the Republican Party in Illinois, or, or Jim Durkin, the state rep who they let him have the title of party chair uh, in or minor, minority head in the uh, General Assembly, but everybody knows that DB's calling the shots. Who's going to feed them hogs? That's right. Durkin's like, whatever you say, DB. So either one, any of them. Not one Republican should be permitted to call for Madigan to resign. In fact, I'm broadening this. No MAGA hat wearing columnist, no MAGA hat wearing editorial board writer. All you folks at the Tribune, I'm talking to you on the editorial board. No commentator of any kind. No Republican right wing MAGA hat wearing politician, official, columnist, editorial writer, should be permitted to call for Michael Joseph Madigan to step down unless they're willing to do the same for Donald Trump. I think it's a sweet deal, everybody. We've got a great show today, everybody. As Dennis said, Kelly Cassidy will be here. Case, well, not here. She'll be on the show with us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Google me. We're all over the place, guys. Uh, can't you just uh, sponsor us, Google me? We give you a lot of uh, shout outs. Uh, she will be uh, with us and be talking about what it, um, what it, what it, what the future of the Democratic Party, in her humble opinion, should be. Uh, uh, it, well, in the aftermath of Michael Madigan's rule, uh, we'll talk about the control he has over the party and her decision to call for him to step down. Uh, and in addition, Romano Hussein will be here. It's Friday, D. And uh, Romano will be coming on. Uh, oh, we'll probably be talking a lot about uh, the John Lewis uh, funeral and the eulogies for John Lewis. And uh, Bill Clinton stirred up a little bit yesterday with his comments about Stokely Carmichael. So a lot uh, to talk about with Romano Hussein. But before we do that, the young man from Alton. The man they call Dr. D with the news. Hi. Hey, uh, Ben, we, we can't mention Bill Clinton without you doing that stellar impression. Okay. <clears throat> I love Michael Madigan. Michael Madigan's a good friend of mine. Michael Joseph Madigan. How about that, huh, D? Huh? That's amazing. Dr. D, great friend. You know, D, back in Alton, they call him Dr. Dewey. I didn't inhale my doobie, but you know that's good. Well, All right, yours is yours may be better than mine. Well, Just there, there. Of, of course. Yeah. All right. 
All right, don't get cocky. <laughs> yes, as Ben mentioned, State Rep Kelly Cassidy will be on the program in just moments. But until then, for the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. We begin with the Illinois governor. Today, J.B. Pritzker was at New Life Community Church in Chicago for a juvenile justice announcement. And right now, as we speak, Governor Pritzker is at the Red Roof Inn in Downers Grove for a tour of a local food drive. Now, Governor Pritzker, we know that the Red Roof Inn is not one of those big, fancy Hyatt hotels your family owns. But while you're there, please try not to scoff at and or trash talk the Red Roof Inn, okay? I mean, they may not have a pool or a hot tub or a fitness center or even a spa, but I hear that free Wi-Fi is excellent. I'm not a perfect person. So that's basically what the governor's got going on today. And uh, we'll be discussing the governor's Thursday COVID-19 press briefing in Peoria later on in the program. So let's move on. We have no public events scheduled for our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, this afternoon. So we're just going to get right into the latest updates on Madigan Gate. That's right, Madigan Gate. When the utility giant's Commonwealth Edison admitted to arranging jobs, contracts, and payoffs, allegedly allegedly, to Democratic House Speaker Mike Madigan's associates. Allegedly. So we mentioned a few names on Thursday's program, names of elected officials who have asked Speaker Madigan to step down immediately after learning of all this. We got Senator Heather Staines, State Rep Tara Costa Howard, Senator Melinda Bush, of course, not Will Gazzardi, and... Senator Iris Martinez. And just as we ended Thursday's program, another state representative was added to that list. Was it Will Gazzardi? Yeah, right. (laughs) It was State Rep Casey Kelly Cassidy. Yes, the aforementioned guest who will be on the program in just moments. Now, typically when Kelly Cassidy gets involved and speaks publicly on an issue or a law in the state of Illinois, watch out. She gets that ball rolling and she gets results. That's correct. Take her work on legalizing recreational marijuana in Illinois as an example. So when that news broke, Ben, myself, along with Ben Jarofsky's show devotee Frank thought, oh, it's on. Madigan's going down. The old feller's on the ropes. But not so fast, because while Madigan may have been born at night, it wasn't last night. Am I right, Ben? (laughs) That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. (laughs) The following comes from NBC5 Chicago, Marianne Ahern and Shelby Brimmer. Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan said Thursday evening that he is, quote, No plans to resign. Multiple Democratic lawmakers told NBC5 that Madigan contacted them individually on Thursday to gauge support and ask if he should step down. NBC5 is not identifying those lawmakers who requested... (laughs) (laughs) Profiles Encouraged, Chapter 4. I'll tell you, he called me. Please don't mention that he called me or that I told you he called me. I could get in trouble. How can you expect a Democrat to say, I think he should step down if they're even afraid to say, he called me? (laughs) 
I just like cracking. Oh, off the record, he called me. Don't use my name. Okay. NBC5 is not identifying the lawmakers oh, who no, requested. want to do that. Uh, they requested anonymity to openly mm. discuss the ongoing developments. Uh, but we have part of Madigan's statement. When I, when I get done reading this, Ben, feel free to weigh in here. Uh, All right. Here's a part of Madigan's statement. Quote, I understand. And no, I'm not doing the Madigan impression, guys. I'm just reading it as Dennis. All right, here we go. Oh, hello? Well, your phone. Is that a is that a razor? Yeah. <laughs> iPhone. He has an iPhone five, guys. Okay. Uh, here's the part of Madigan's statement. Quote: I understand that the last couple of weeks have been difficult for our caucus and party, and I have had many candid conversations with members of the Democratic caucus on this matter. The feedback is positive and demonstrates continued support for me and my leadership roles. I have no plans to resign. I have never made a legislative decision with improper motives and any claim otherwise is unfounded. I will continue to lead the effort to defeat Donald Trump, expand the Illinois congressional delegation and the majorities in the Illinois House and Senate. Thanks. <laughs> Did you say thanks? You yeah. really said thanks. And then it said Eileen at the bottom. So it was uh, not, my, it was Michael Madigan, but not really Michael Madigan, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. So anyway. Wow. Look. Commonwealth Edison has admitted that they hired his cronies. They have accepted the reality They've agreed to pay a $200 million fine. So, I, I, D, I know, I remember, I saw how you put the allegation in there. Uh, so, the allegation is... Allegedly. Did, yeah, well, Commonwealth Edison has admitted that they did this, and they're uh, willing to pay the fine for what they concede is a wrongdoing. The issue is, did Madigan change his positions or adopt a position based on the fact that Commonwealth Edison has hired his cronies. And personally, my opinion is that no, he didn't. And that's part of the problem in the state of Illinois. I believe that giant utilities like Commonwealth Edison pretty much get what they want when it comes to our state house. And you don't even have to hire Madigan's cronies if you're Commonwealth Edison uh, to get what you want. That's my personal belief. I also believe that all those downtown businessmen who hire Madigan to be their property tax lawyers don't need to do that. They'll probably get the tax break anyway because there's a formula that governs this stuff. And there's a lot of property tax lawyers who don't have Madigan's clout who win property tax breaks for their clients. It's an ongoing process in Cook County. Could talk about it for hours. I can talk about it for hours. I won't at this moment. But the point is, when a landlord hires Michael Joseph Madigan, it's to curry favor with Madigan, not so much to win a higher property tax break. I truly believe that. And all these years, I've been reading about the how Madigan uses his property tax business uh, to uh, to win clients over. I've never seen any evidence that. Madigan's any better than Billy Bob, the property tax guy that nobody's ever heard of. Oh, Billy Bob's so, great. <laughs> Billy don't Bob go, don't go trash talking Billy Bob, all right? I don't know one's never heard of him, but he's good. So I, I don't personally believe that anything really changed. As a matter of fact, I asked Kelly Cassidy about this. 
I don't believe that uh, Michael Madigan took the position he did with Commonwealth Edison because they gave him jobs. I just believe that's just the state of affairs in Springfield. It's a bipartisan thing, Democrats and Republicans, for as long as I can remember. So, you know, why did Commonwealth Edison do it? I don't know. It's just a, it is just a culture of politics in Illinois and Chicago. And uh, it's just the way, why do people line up to give campaign contributions to Ed Burke? pretty much up until the moment he was indicted because it's kissing the ring he's the all why do people jump up jump on whatever harebrained scheme one of our mayors comes with up with like i don't know an olympics because it's just how we do it in this state uh and in this city in particular so i don't even know if madigan did anything wrong i just know it's exceedingly unseemly to have a major utility uh put on its payroll or dole out contracts are put on its board cronies of the house speaker yesterday's tribune had a story about the chair of the illinois commerce commission who was the daughter-in-law of one of the cronies that got put on madigan's excuse me they got that commonwealth put on its payroll so you know what i do believe the state of illinois and the democratic party should move away from this kind of unseemly politics I think Kelly Cassidy will make the same uh, point. So whether Michael Madigan actually did X, Y, Z in terms of legislation uh, in exchange for all those jobs that Commonwealth Edison doled out to his cronies, I don't think that really matters. I think the fact that Commonwealth Edison put all these people on the payroll and created the conflict of interest is what the issue is at this moment. And that's what the Democratic Party has to address. At least seven other Democrats in the legislature have publicly pushed for Madigan to resign from either his position as speaker, his role as chairman of the Democratic Party of Illinois, or both, uh, some citing the upcoming election specifically as a reason for him to step aside. By the way, thanks to the meanest Illinois political bulldog in the yard, Capital Facts' own Rich Miller, we now have eight. And yes, because our host Ben Jarofsky reads the newspaper and the newspaper only, he thought there were only four. That's double now. Step it up, Jarofsky. I got to say, today's Bright One had, I I just, you know, momentarily forgot. But give the Bright One credit. They had the correct tally. Another state rep has joined Team Step Down. Now it's a state rep who just lost his primary race, meaning uh, he won't be around much longer. But a state rep nonetheless. State Representative Jonathan Yoni Pizer joins fellow House members in calling for Speaker, uh, Speaker Michael J. Madigan to resign from his leadership roles as Speaker of the House in the Illinois General Assembly and as Illinois Democratic Party Chairman. Yeah, uh, we talked about his race. He he did. He, he was the one who stepped in for Sarah Feigenholz uh, on the North Lake Front, which is just north of Kelly Cassidy. So, yeah. All right. So it doesn't really count. He's stepping out. To, you know, <laughs> that kind of proves my point. Well, the guy who's leaving goes, yeah, he should step down. <laughs> I'm brave. Hey, yeah. step down. I don't know, but this is an argument. I'm not a term limits guy by and large, but this is definitely an argument for term limits. Just saying, Uh, you know, if if the notion being that if you only get to serve two or three terms, 
maybe you won't be so scared to take a stand against such a blatant conflict of interest. So. All right, so I just sent an email uh, or a Google Meet invite to Kelly Cassidy. We're going to wait for her to join us. And in the meantime, uh, I'd like to encourage all of you to download this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. That's right. The hardest working podcast in Chicago and maybe America, just saying, is at it again with weekend bonus interviews. Not one, not two, but three bonus interviews for you to download at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites. Uh, this weekend, you can hear uh, our journalist, Jonathan Ballou. Ben's going to be talking with him after the program. Uh, another cannabis conversation with Lisa Solomon and Joseph Friedman. Uh, and on Monday, Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry of Friends of the Park. Go download those. I think we got Kelly Cassidy on the line. Kelly, are you there? Hey, I'm here. God, you sound so clear. I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, to Google Meet. I'm all, uh, this is a shameless attempt Almost Commonwealth Edison like <laughs> Kelly Cassidy to get Google to sponsor careful, my show. Man, careful. <laughs> it's a slippery slope. By the way, you still got Lori Lightfoot in behind you? The last time you were on the show, she was there. Yeah, but look, she's got a she's got a new hat, a new mask. <laughs> Upgraded. Upgrade. Okay, folks can't see this. Only I could. Uh, thanks to Google Meet, I could see Kelly. Uh, thanks to the fact that my computer is from the Clinton uh, administration era, uh, she can't see me because I don't have a camera. But uh, I could see that there's a what is that? A, a it's a cutout, a cardboard it's a, cutout. It's a flat lorry. Yes. Yeah, um, and she has a. <laughs> she's wearing a nice little straw hat. She's got a white socks mask. Can you believe I allow that to happen in my home? No, come um, on. And usually she's facing out, and there is a little kid in the neighborhood, I kid you not, it, it makes me laugh every time, who on his walks with, um, with his parents, a little toddler, says hi to, there's a, I have a unicorn squirrel feeder in my yard, hi unicorn, and then cheeps at the birds, and then says hi auntie, and runs away. So <laughs> he comes by to say hi to Lori every day. Uh, that's very cute. Auntie Lori Lightfoot. Uh, all right. Very popular on the north side. But let's not talk about Lori Lightfoot. For the <laughs> let's moment. <not. laughs> uh, let's move on to talk about uh, Michael Madigan. And uh, at the end of yesterday's show, uh, one of our listeners, Frank, sent me uh, an email of your uh, statement where you said that, in your humble opinion, it was uh, time for Michael Madigan to step down. Uh, I wasn't surprised. I said earlier in the show, you spoke out. You didn't call for him to resign, as I recall, when Elena Hampton went public with her um, uh, her story about how Madigan ignored her pleas. But uh, you were very critical. So I wasn't really surprised that you did it. Uh, why don't you explain to people your motivations and your reasons for making uh, your announcement yesterday? Well, you know, honestly... For the last couple of weeks, um, after I made my what I now refer to as the "if then" uh, statement, you know, if if he or his closest allies are involved in this most recent uh, uh, scandal, um, that he should resign. And and honestly, it just didn't sit well with me. Um, most of us were in that lane, but the more I thought about it, the more I, I thought about the cumulative impact of all of these things that we've witnessed, as you mentioned, you know, the, my, my pressing him around his response to sexual harassment issues, um, you know, it, it, this drip, this steady drip um, has just become, you know, too much. And, you know, fundamentally, um, you know, I, I respect and hear my, my colleagues who talk about 
innocent until proven guilty. They don't want to make a statement about this while it's pending. He deserves due process. And he does. He, he very much deserves due process with regard to the legal, the potential legal uh, charges that could that could be brought. Um, but that's not what this is about. And and it, it is about what leadership should be and what standards we should hold leaders to. And frankly, what the role of a, a leader in our party and in our chamber right now has to be able to focus on in this most consequential election of our lifetime. You know, I, I've spent most of my adult life working to get the fair tax on the ballot, working with organizations that have been pushing for it. And now we're, we're facing this, this opportunity when we've got all of these doubts about the, the, the integrity of not just the leader of of my chamber, but the leader of the state Democratic Party, um, and that 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 threatens those uh, that election. It threatens the elections of a lot of my colleagues who I want to see come back. Um, and yes, he's got all the money and he's got all the resources, and he can bring those to bear. But when I talk to my colleagues at, who are at the doors, they're constantly hearing. What about Madigan? What about Madigan? Um, I, I've had a couple say, I'm so tired of being embarrassed, which was like just an almost exhausted moment, right? Um, so I, it's just, it's past time. Uh, just without naming names, the person who said, I'm so tired of being embarrassed, uh, is he or she uh, coming forth to ask Michael Madigan to step down? I've heard variations on that theme from many people. Um, you know, so so some 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 are in that cat in the category of already having come out. Some are in the category of people who are still trying to figure out what to do. Okay, all right. I, I was making an obvious editorial point with my question there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, before I get into, I have a whole list of questions where I'm playing devil's advocate with you. Before I do that, I just want to, I noticed something in the bright one today, sometimes their story about Madigan, how he's calling up this different reps. Uh, by the way, did he call you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Come on, Michael, Casey. You know. Well, I mean, to be fair, he was calling people to find out where they stand. And yeah. he, he knows where I've been standing for a while. So, uh, you know, I, I saved the dime. Okay. All right. No well, he could. Call. He could call. Well, uh, did Bruce Rauner call you on your birthday all the time? He did. Okay, so there you go. All right. Uh, but I don't know what point that was. But <laughs> they made an observation in the Sun-Times article, which uh, was an interesting one. I'm looking for it, but I don't have it in front of me, but I'll just paraphrase it. That all the people who have come out, all the Democrats, I should say, it's easy for Republicans to come out for Madigan to step down. Right. Uh, all the Democrats who come out and call for Madigan to step down are women. Until this morning. Yoni Pizer came out today. Yoni Pizer came out. Of course, now he is. He, uh, he's a lame duck. He, he's a lame duck. So, okay. So let me uh, amend the sentence. All the reps who will still be in the chamber uh, next session who have called for Madigan to step down are women. What do you make of that? What I make of it is that this incoming, this, this most recent freshman class, first term class, uh, avoiding the gendered term, these first term members, so many of that incoming class were women, and they're all just really amazing, hardcore, I, I, like I want to say things that are going to get me bleeped, so I'm not going to, I, I can't say them. They're, they're just, they're, they're bold. Yeah. They're bold and they're here for the right reason. 
Um, you know, they, they are they, they came here to do the right thing, not to not to keep coming back. Um, you know, they're not they're not here to cement their their political careers. They're here because they ran for office at a time when it felt like a calling because they were they were so frustrated by what was happening with the Trump administration. And they are they're carrying that integrity throughout. All right, let me play devil's advocate with you. Um, uh, No less than former alderman Pat O'Connor. I can't believe I'm quoting Pat O'Connor. I remember a quote he gave, I think it was last year, uh, in in regards to Madigan. He said the party uh, getting rid of Madigan at this moment, he likened it to, I think, uh, the French getting rid of Napoleon Napoleon when they (laughs) went into battle. I believe that was his quote. Uh, (laughs) It's doing this from memory, Kelly. Uh, So in the serious level, what about that? Uh, is, is, Is the Democratic Party weakening itself by removing Madigan, who has been the leader of the party for all these years and uh, had put together the coalition or managed to uh, have a successful Democratic uh, caucus year after year. Are we is the Democrat are the Democrat is the Democratic Party weakening itself by getting rid of Madigan? I mean, I think the same. You can ask the reverse question as well. Um, you know, and we've, we've talked about this before. I think you and I have done this before. You know, the only person who's ever used Madigan to beat somebody is Madigan. Um, in, in his in the race against Skip Saviano. Um, but I think that we cannot ignore the cumulative effect. And it's, you know, a little bit like saying, eh, wait till January and we'll treat your cancer. Um, you know, the, this infection is raging. We have to address it. All right. Uh, what about personal loyalty? Uh, Michael Madigan has done a lot of favors for a lot of state reps. Uh, that's in part what's at the heart of the Commonwealth uh, Edison plea is that people doing favors for other people. So do you think it's going to be really difficult for some of your colleagues to turn on Madigan just because in the back of their mind, they're thinking of a favor he did for them, a job he got for them, uh, a staffer he got for them, et cetera, and so forth. I, I mean, I think it's going to be hard for a lot of my colleagues because it's hard Like, I mean, it doesn't have to be because somebody, you know, believes their favor bank balance is is off kilter. Um, You know, the the, the stories about him making calls uh, this week and and the the releases of uh, A1s showing huge money coming in. But that's not routine. That's well, it is routine. It's routine intimidation tactics is what it is. Um, you know, th- this and, and this piece from from Alderman O'Connor, it's similar. You know, the, the, the reality here is that these are the plays that have have worked time and time again to convince people that now is not the time to cut out the cancer. Yeah. Uh, all right. And then finally, this uh, just the fear factor. And talk about this, get as specific as you can. What kind of controls does Michael Madigan have over the General Assembly that would make a a Democrat very reluctant uh, to openly speak against him? So all of them. I mean, (laughs) he has all of them. And that's kind of the point. Um, you know, on the state side, right, he controls committee assignments. He controls whether your bills live or die. He, 
hierarchy controls, you know, what resources are available to you, um, what kind of staffing you get, all of that. And then on the political side, he controls truly everything. He is the, the, the chair of the state party and, and, you know, as such has made it, his practice has been that, you know, he does the fundraising and doles it out um, very often. And, and even for people that he doesn't do that for, there are super creepy factors. Like I've always done all my own, own fundraising, but I can't tell you how many times over the years ha- having done, you know, spent my time on the phone raising money. And then I get an envelope from him, either DPI or, or friends of Michael Madigan <clears throat> with a note from him with checks in it, the checks that I made the calls to raise, but people would send the money to him first and then they'd send it to me. Wow. <laughs> Currying favor with Madigan. I've always said this. Get your thoughts on this. Uh, that the the landlords downtown will hire him for the property tax lawyer. Don't need to do that to win a property tax break. Right. A lot of lawyers get property tax breaks for a lot of different uh, clients. Kelly, without having the political clout of Michael Madigan, it's largely a. I could show you this. You fill out a form for crying right, out loud. Right, it's right. a formula that dictates. You don't have to be Earl Warren to do this stuff. Right. So uh, I've always believed it was just currying favor. So what you just described is more the same. Yeah. You're currying yeah. favor with Madigan. Yeah. It's, you know, how, how many pies does he have to have his fingers in? All right. So the answer uh, is all of them. All of them. And uh, all right, uh, you, you mentioned a fair tax. Do you think Madigan's position as head of the party and as Speaker of the <laughs> House uh, imperils the fair tax initiative? I do. I think that that we've talked about nothing but this, and we'll continue to. Um, you know, everything is. In the, you know, this is being cast as the Madigan tax. This is going to be. It's cast as the corruption tax. Like all of those things. When in fact. 98% of the people are going to get a, a tax break out of it. Um, but, but with, you know, these stories and the, and the endless drip eating up all the bandwidth, that's going to be very hard to break through. So ultimately the powers that be in the democratic party, I'm thinking of JB Pritzker <laughs> and mayor Lori Lightfoot who absolutely need the fair tax uh, to be able to get the money they need to fund government. Don't you think they're going to have to take the stand uh, you've taken? I don't know. Um, I, I, I've, I've watched, you know, the, the governor's statements um, have, have been sort of evolving over that. I mean, you know, he, he stood up for me. Uh, now it feels, I can't remember how many years ago it was now. Um, and, and has continued to, to call into question, uh, you know, where, where the speaker is on these things. He hasn't come right out and called on him to resign. And I don't know that he will. Um, you know, I know that I have a vote in in the chamber and so it's my responsibility to talk about what i want in my chamber i'm a i'm a party official it's my my responsibility to talk about what i want my party to look like mm-hmm. um you know it, it, others others need to do their own measures uh, kelly since you came uh, forth with your statement yesterday have you ha- received uh any response from other democratic officials and what has that response been you know a, a lot of us have been in contact almost constantly since the the news of ComEd's plea agreement um, broke. And, you know, I continue to talk to colleagues and friends around the around the, 
the system, um, you know, whether it's other members of the General Assembly, other other elected officials, other party officials, um, you know, it's it, it does feel like this has been all we've talked about for a while. Uh, but are they saying, like, congratulations, I wish I had the guts to do that? Uh, are they saying things like that? <laughs> some of that, some of that. Um, you know, I've certainly not gotten anybody who's reached out to me and, and you know, yelled at me for it. <laughs> um, but I, I imagine they also there's also probably somebody sitting there going, why would they bother, you know? Um, but, but yes, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, and so if not Madigan, who should be the speaker? I think it's premature to even go down that road. He is the speaker currently, and we need to address that problem first. Very well done, Kelly Cassidy. If I may. So that, how is that? That is nimble. Okay, that's like a tightrope. What about you, Kelly Cassidy? I put your name out a few times. Uh, are you trying to get me are, killed? Yeah. <laughs> The kiss of death. <laughs> Kelly Cassidy should be the speaker. Do you have any ambitions for that job? I like, I love the House of Representatives. I like what I'm doing. I like where I am. And it's premature to talk about any of what comes next. I, re- I really genuinely believe that. I think there are a lot of people who would like to be the speaker. Um, I, I've joked that I've been to the funerals of people who, who were waiting to be next. Um so I think that that if we come to that that place, it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, situation. We just saw it play out in the Senate um, with a fair amount of chaos. Uh, I think this will be even more so. All right. Very good. Kelly Cassidy, uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, we're now officially launching Kelly Cassidy for House Speaker. Actually, <laughs> if I want that to happen, I should not say it because if I'm going to say it. By the way, let, let's just close by saying uh, something that I every time I do one of these, uh, an interview or I call out uh, Madigan and say he should resign. And I, I I'm with you. I think he should step down. Now, uh, and I, I do want to say one thing about the in all seriousness about this question of whether, you know, whether I'm interested. The, the bottom line here is none of this that I have done over the years, including today, um, where where I sit has been about what I want for me or any personal ambition. It's it's been about a responsibility to call it out and to to point to the problems and and try to steer towards solutions. Um, you know this 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 is not anything more complex than that. And I know people feel need to feel that it is right. Um, but the truth is, this is a problem we have to solve. All right. And uh, where I was going to go is to say, I really am troubled. I started the show by saying this. I say this virtually every day by the hypocrisy of the Republican Party. So I cannot have one of these conversations with you or any of my other progressive friends or any lefties. I got a lot of lefty friends who want Madigan to step down. I cannot have this conversation without immediately saying how hypocritical the Republicans are. They are so fast to denounce Michael Madigan and call for him to step down. And they are cowards, utter I don't know any Kelly Cassidy's in the Republican Party in regards to Donald Trump, John Trump. Can you think of one Republican official in the state of Illinois, elected official, who's called for Donald Trump, who's, by the way, among his many crimes, has been accused of rape? Just right. want to throw that out there. Uh, can you think of one Republican who has called for Donald Trump to step down? In our chamber? I don't believe so. I don't think any of ours have. 
That said, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty proud of our, our Republican caucus, you know, in our, our bill last session to uh, prohibit uh, for-profit immigration detention centers. We got 16 votes out of that caucus for, for, for a bill that was a direct repudiation of Donald Trump. So I just want to I, I hear you and I don't disagree with you on that hypocrisy front. But um, there, there have been moments there have been glimmers of hope. They have their moments and glimmers of hope. Inching, inching. inching. And when, when when Trump is gone, they go, Kelly, I was against him the I whole was, time. I was there with you the whole time. I was right there with you. All right, Kelly, stay safe and sound. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. That's great, Kelly Cassidy. Uh, D, you want to take a break? And then, yeah, uh, uh, before, we go to a, before we go to a break, though, uh, we want to uh, give some advice. Maybe you can help out our live stream chat listener. By the way, uh, Kelly Cassidy, man, she's awesome. I, I miss Kelly Cassidy. We haven't had her on in a while. Yeah, she was always a lot of fun when she came in the studio. Bit of a wise acre, as am I, so she could give as good as she can take. I love Kelly Cassidy. Uh, and Brianna, first off, uh, it's Ro who we're going to help out with some advice, but Brianna uh, said here, ooh, a duck in the dodge from KC. Nicely played. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while, Benjirovsky, but let's do a little this week in duck and dodgery. Uh, on a one to five star scale, how good was that duck and dodge from Kelly Cassidy on that speaker question? Ah, uh, br- five. <laughs> Brilliant duck and dodge. Brilliant duck and dodge. Okay. <laughs> She's like, Mama didn't raise a fool, Ben. Uh, okay. <laughs> you can ask me that question, but mm, watch this little soft shoe. It's Ginger Rogers out there. No. Oh, hang tight, millennials. Okay. Uh, <laughs> millennials are like, who? Yeah, I'm like, who the hell's that? All right, it's let's. I'll update it with a John Travolta. Millennials, huh? What? Oh, yeah. Millennials, Gen Xers are like, yeah, Travolta. All right. Uh, let's help out Ro here, all right? Uh, maybe you've been down this road and uh, you can help her out. Ro on the live stream chat. By the way, Ro, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Keep listening and keep on uh, live chatting here. She says, I have friends that aren't politically sad. I'm always telling them how terrible and corrupt rethugs are. That's what she calls Republicans. Uh, I'm always telling them how terrible and corrupt rethugs are. And something like this, uh, Madigan Gate happens. And then those people say, see, both sides do it. Embarrassing. What can you uh, tell Roe here to maybe help her out when that happens? I, I, that, I struggle with this all the time. I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I, I mentioned this, that so much of my life has been uh, writing critical articles about Democratic machine leaders like Madigan and Daly and Rahm. And uh, yeah, they're, the ethics in this state, uh, in this city are intolerable. Uh, and it's easy because of the way so many of my Democratic f- friends, in quotes, behave uh, and the way they act, it's easy for Republicans to use those Democrats as a punching bag and get people cynical about politics in general. And Dennis talks about this all the time when he goes downstate with all the Pritzker signs. And so it's like easy targets for Republicans. And that's why it's kind of unfair because Democrats have to deal uh, directly with issues like sexual harassment. You know, so, for instance, Al Franken, should Al Franken get to remain a senator or uh, should, you know, should we just say, well, we'll put up with his shenanigans because he's popular and he's a senator. And the Democrats say, no, he should step down. And the Democrats have to deal with these issues because they're very important to the people who vote in the Democratic Party, whereas sexual harassment, it's just one case. 
does not matter at all the republicans they don't care they've elected their leader is has been accused of rape there's a lawsuit against donald trump so you make a very good point it's like there's a double standard democrats have to play by one set of rules republicans have no rules uh it's the same thing like with a balanced budget when Republicans claim that they believe in a balanced budget and they're against deficits until Donald Trump is president, they don't care about them. So it's really hard to have a legitimate political discourse with a party that abides by no rules, has no standards, changes its points of view from day to day based on whoever's in office and tolerates an alleged rapist like Donald Trump as their president. It's really frustrating. It's very difficult. And you're right. If you're talking to people who listen to the Ben Jarowski show, they're pretty much political junkies and political geeks. They really follow this stuff and know it uh, really well. I mean, I got to say this from the comments that our show's followers put on my Facebook page. They know their politics really well. But the vast majority of people are only half paying attention. They see an ad that uh, Bruce Rauner paid for denouncing Madigan, and they hate all Democrats. They all, they're all that way. Democrats, so here the Democrats are struggling what to do with Madigan and the Republicans, not one word about Donald Trump. So I share your sense of frustration. It's a disadvantage to a degree that the Democrats have uh, when they go forth into uh, elections like this one coming up. And it's just a reality. I don't know what can do to change that, what we can do to change that uh, without following the advice of David Ferris. I keep putting him out there. Uh, you got to change the system that gives Republicans an advantage, starting with the Electoral College. And so until Democrats are willing to confront the, the disadvantages they have in the overall political system, they're always, always, always going to be uh, struggling against these double standards. All right. And uh, you just mentioned them. You can download our interview with David Ferris. We had it. It was a weekend bonus interview uh, last weekend, both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. That's where you can find this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews as well. All right. Before we go to Romana, one more uh, comment here on the live stream chat. Our good friend Jeff weighed in. Very smart man, this Jeff. And uh, let's get your thoughts on this, Ben. Jeff says, I'm surprised that Madigan doesn't have a con- uh, or, yeah, succession plan with someone that he was grooming, ready to replace him. Because, you know, after all, he is like 78. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jeff, that's, man, that's Chicago politics right there. And um, the same thing was with Daly. Richard M. Daly, he, he was, it looked like Daly was, Daly was like, it seemed like he was just going to be mayor forever, like his father, uh, who's died in office. Richard J. Daly died in office uh, back in, what was 1976, I want to say. Anyway, it looked like uh, Richard M. Daly had the same plan, and then he just uh, stepped down, and there was no obvious successor, although in the last few months it's pretty clear that the Daly clan uh, let Rahm Emanuel know that it was his if he wanted it. But up to then, nobody had been groomed. Uh, and that's just not uh, democratic politicians. They want to rule in, in Illinois and Chicago, want to stay in office forever. So if you start grooming somebody, which makes sense, that leads to the possibility that you're not going to be in office forever. So, yeah, that's the mindset of all powerful Democratic politicians. And, uh, yeah, there's no obvious successor in the uh, in the House to replace Madigan if he were to leave. Oh, okay. Jim on the live stream chat says, Lisa Madigan, maybe? 
That's an easy one, right? Lisa Madigan, I thought was going to run for governor. And uh, the issue back then, I think it was 2010. I can't remember the year. The issue then was she couldn't run and have her father be the Speaker of the House. That was just too much power for one family. Even Illinois couldn't tolerate that. And so she decided not to run, uh, which goes to, I mean, that's loyalty uh, to one's father. So I can't imagine, I can't imagine Lisa Madigan is stepping in uh, and replacing her father. I can't see that. Live stream chat up top. That was good teamwork, guys. Excellent. Keep it coming. Send your uh, messages our way. If you're listening live, don't be shy. Go into the live stream chat and send us your comments. You can say bad ones too, trash on our show, whatever. It's fine. It's all good. And uh, we also encourage you to check us out on social media at Benny J show, B E N N Y the letter J show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J show at gmail.com. And yes, I'm going to keep on plugging it. You can send us a voicemail. Uh, the Ben Jarofsky show has a phone number. It's a seven zero eight number and seven zero eight numbers are cool. 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. All right, we're going to take a quick little break here. We're going to play a little Michael Girardi, and when we come back, it's another Ramana Rundown with Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. Ben, let's keep these listeners listening. What do you plan on talking about with Ramana? Well, actually, uh, we're going to talk about the eulogy, Clinton's eulogy. We're going to talk uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Actually, I, by the way, I'm really looking uh, forward to this. We're going to have a Jeffrey Epstein uh, deep dive with Leonard Goodman next week. Uh, he just wrote an interesting article in the the, um, uh, the reader about Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, we're going to do a little uh, talk about right-wing snowflakes, how you can criticize. Uh, right-wing is fe- feels free to criticize the left, but when you criticize them, oh, my God, they start crying and weeping. So that's just some of the issues we talk about with Ramana Hussein. There you go, guys. So much more coming up here on the Ben Jarofsky Show. So don't go anywhere. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, the only podcast that references Ginger's Rogers or whatever his name was. Ginger Rogers. No, it's a she. <laughs> it's Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Ah, oh, you need some old listeners. Come on. There's got to be someone out there who knows Fred Astaire is, no? I I, well, I know Fred on the uh, live stream chat. He was talking all about it. But uh, Millennials hang tight. So much political content on the way. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. And yes, we are live from my apartment and Ben's attic. And this is the latest from Michael Girardi. It's called Help is on the Way. More political talk on the way.
Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. How's it going? We're back. Ben, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, uh, you know, uh, I was thinking about something, D, when you played. Oh, there's Ramana Hussein. With a haircut. Hi. Looking good. How are you? Yeah, I cut my hair off. Looks awesome. You you cut your hair yourself? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I would have gotten it done by your better half, but I, I found this place near my mom's. So I took it. I took I cut my hair during my break. I usually donate. I haven't done it in years, but when my hair's long enough, I can just chop 10 inches of it off. Wow. Uh, that's called a long hair. Cancer. Yes. My, uh, that is, uh, that's a good thing that you do there. Ramana Hussein, Chicago Sun-Times columnist, editor, comes on our show uh, every Friday. And I just I just wanted to finish my thought before I turned to Ramana. When I was, we had Kelly Cassidy on, Ramana, uh, before you came on, state rep from the north side of Chicago. I think she may be your state rep, actually. She is. Uh, or, she is. 
She is. And she uh, was talking about how she's all calling uh, for Michael Madigan to step down as House Speaker. And uh, she gave her reasons. I thought she did a good job of articulating her uh, particular reasons. And so then I was asking her about uh, Lori Lightfoot and um, uh, Pritzker, and she kind of ducked and dodged on that one. Because the reality is, D, I was thinking about this. Uh, neither one of them has even inched uh, toward a saying that they're going to, uh, they want Madigan to step down. So there's still, I was just, when I was listening to Lori Lightfoot doing that bit that you always play, D, where she goes, I'm going to take your car, I'm going to kick you out of your car, whatever it is. I'm like, where's that forcefulness when it regards to Michael Joseph Madigan? Okay. Just an interesting contrast there. Uh, all right, uh, Romana, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come talk with us. I know you're uh, uh, at your parents' house, and I see you're all dressed up. Uh, and uh, it's a holiday, and it really means a lot to me that you're taking this time to uh, uh, to talk to us on the show. Uh, so we won't take too much of your time. Oh, that's uh, fine. Uh, I'm uh, actually at my sister's house, but it's fine. My older sister's house. Okay. And uh, your friend uh, Mick is downstairs, and one of my nephews, who's 12, is sitting with me. So I might ask him for his help on recommendations. Oh, all right. A younger <laughs> recommendation. Uh, he's really yeah. in the TikTok. Yeah. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll get into that in a little while. A uh, number of things I want to talk about. Uh, the eulogies at John Lewis's uh, funeral yesterday. Bill Clinton gave a eulogy and he stirred things up when he took a swipe at Stokely Carmichael. This is ancient history. Uh, with the exception of my baby boomer uh, friends and guests, they probably don't even know who Stokely Carmichael it is. My question is, which we'll get into, why is Bill Clinton still getting invited uh, to prominent things like this. We'll get it. I mean, I really want to get your thoughts on this. He's up to his eyebrows uh, in the Jeffrey Epstein scandal. I don't know why we, I just got finished talking with Kelly Cassidy about whether Michael Madigan should remain as the head of the democratic party. And I'm thinking Bill Clinton gets invited to absolutely everything as though this Jeffrey Epstein thing is not going on. Uh, so we'll, uh, talk about the same thing. George Bush, should George Bush be invited, uh, to, uh, all these, uh, important gatherings uh and then i want to talk to you about uh right-wing snowflakes something that really irritates me they're always quick to say uh stop being offended lefties when we say offensive things about you but if we say anything remotely offensive about them they start sobbing and saying we're not uh being fair and we're so mean and cancel culture etc and so forth so those are some of the things i want to uh talk about with you today getting into recommendations of course and get that nephew view get him working because I'm going to put him to work for some recommendations from him as well. Uh, let's start with the um, the eulogies for John Lewis. Um, general thoughts about Barack Obama's speech and Clinton's speech. Uh, go ahead. I have to be honest. I didn't get a chance to listen to Barack Obama's entire speech, but I did listen to Bill Clinton's speech because I heard about the controversy. Um, and Stokely Carmichael, remember I, I talked to him about about uh, about you with him yesterday. I, I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know the history with him and, you know, Mr. Lewis. So that was that was that was interesting. I kind of went back and started reading about that. And um, I learned I, I learned a few things from um, listening to Bill Clinton. I have to admit, I was telling um, my husband and your friend Mick yesterday that, you know, growing up, I never heard of John Lewis. I just never heard of him, you know, and, and Mick is like, well, we don't really learn that much about too many civil rights leaders when we're younger, except, you know, for Martin Luther King and maybe Malcolm X. And so, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he said that he was the youngest guy that spoke at the March on Washington. Um, I had no idea that he said this 
quote unquote controversial statement where he said that, you know, what side is the federal government on? At that point, it was very controversial. And I guess he took that line out of his speech. I, I didn't know that. But Bill Clinton didn't say that. But it got me to look looking into stuff more often than none. But I do got to look at Barack Obama's statements because I saw him really quickly. But I do want to watch the entirety. I'm sure it's awesome. And Bill Clinton, I think he just gets invited in with as with any politician until they get charged with a crime an official crime or or like some, you know, or they become someone that's like trending on Twitter, which Bill Clinton was late, late last night. I don't know if you saw the latest in the Epstein case, but there were some court documents that were leaked and Bill Clinton was seen with um, two underage women. Of course, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean anything, but it's kind of questionable because Bill Clinton has been saying that he, Bill Clinton says that he never was on um, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, plane or at his uh, island. And people say otherwise. So I, I think a, a lot of these politicians, they have to get officially canceled or charged with a crime before they get disinvited to a lot of things. Hmm. Well, we'll get in a little more specific about Bill Clinton and Epstein. I believe he's been on the plane. I uh, forget. I'm off the top of my head. A dozen times. A dozen times. Or maybe two okay. dozen. I, I, I'm yeah. trying to guess from the documentary when his name was on the ledger. Uh, and uh, like I said uh, earlier, uh, Leonard Goodman will be coming on the show next week. Uh, we'll be taking the deep dive on uh, uh, the Epstein-Maxwell-Clinton case. He's obsessed with that. He knows a lot about it. I just wrote an article for the reader on it. Uh, well, what Clinton did with Stokely Carmichael, and get your thoughts about this. So I'll just briefly uh, discuss this. We talked about this last week with Monroe Anderson. Uh, back in the 60s, uh, there was a power struggle at the, one of the civil rights movements, uh, civil rights organization, SNCC. And Stokely Carmichael uh, replaced John Lewis. And Stokely yeah. Carmichael was an advocate of black power. Uh, I think he, he wrote a book called Black Power. He pretty much coined the phrase uh, along with Charles Hamilton. And when Rowe, who's a baby boomer, was talking about how he as a young man at the University of Indiana, when uh, Stokely Carmichael replaced uh, John Lewis, he favored Stokely Carmichael. That's where he was at back in 1960, whatever it was. Uh, and he was personally sick and tired of const constantly turning the other cheek when he, Monroe, had been subjected to so much racism at the University of Indiana Bloomington. So Stokely Carmichael really spoke to him. And I felt that for Bill Clinton, a white man, all these years later, to weigh in and say that somehow or other John Lewis Prevail. was more correct than Stokely Carmichael. I'm like, what are you weigh? This is not really about you weighing, you know, nobody cares what you think on this subject. And why you got to throw Stokely Carmichael under the bus? He died years ago. This is a tribute to John Lewis. It's almost like Bill Clinton felt compelled honor his side of the Democratic Party at this moment of what was supposed to be a tribute to John Lewis. I didn't like when he did it. I thought it was disrespectful and it irritated me. Okay. What was your reaction? Yeah. You know what? I actually was just watching, um, you know, people tweet as the John Lewis Memorial, you know, or, you know, the, the eulogies were given out. And as soon as Bill Clinton said that, um, you know, a lot of people that I follow, they're like, no, he didn't. And then, you know, Stokely Carmichael's name was, um, you know, 
all of a sudden I saw a lot of tweets about him and people are like, how could he throw him under the bus? And, and then I was like, Oh no, what did he do? And then that's when I watched that snippet. And then I watched the entire thing. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think like at a eulogy that I don't think it's necessarily appropriate to bring someone else's name. There was a time where, um, you know, when I was younger, it was Malcolm X was someone that, you know, a lot of people, especially um, who were Caucasian, they would say Malcolm X and they'd automatically call him like, you know, you know, he was, I guess, what was the word that they would use for him? They would say he was an extremist and, you know, Martin Luther King and not to put, you know, Martin Luther King was a safe, you know, choice. And, you know, not to say that Martin Luther King was safe. He was very, you know, ahead of his time and the things that he said. So I don't know. I felt like there's always like, and it was very, it's very common from people who are not part of the African-American community to label certain people as like, this guy's safe, this guy isn't. And, you know, there's some people who are acceptable and some people when, when they, you know, it's kind of like the stuff that we're seeing with the Black Lives Matters um, protests. You know, some people are telling people how to protest, you know, how to tell black people to protest. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of in the same vein where I didn't, I don't know why his name had to be brought up. So I, I, I would think that at a eulogy, you just talk about that one person. I don't think, I mean, obviously with politics, other names are going to come up, but talk about the people that were directly against him. You know, the people that were, you know, hitting him in the protests and things like that. So, yeah, I, I didn't I didn't think it was necessarily appropriate to bring up his name. And I'm, and there were a lot of people on my feed from the African-American community, you know, basically saying, how dare he? And that's what got me interested in listening to see what Bill Clinton had to say about Stokely Carmichael. And, and it's interesting because I know the name Stokely Carmichael, but I barely had heard of him either. I, I, I knew the name, but I didn't know that much about him. So I was actually researching him yesterday too and it, it seemed like he was more of a student of Malcolm X at, at the time and maybe that's why he was really con- you know controversial or considered controversial at the time so I don't know I thought well, as, as a white man I agree with you I don't know if it was in his place to talk about why you know this way was better than that way and not to take anything against you know John Lewis because he was an exceptional human being and has done a lot of interesting things and did a lot for the civil rights uh, movement for sure Uh, absolutely and my point is uh, and and I have this is the advantage of about I don't know 15 years on you so I I like live through all this stuff Uh, I do I just don't feel I don't understand why one should feel compelled uh, to trash Stokely Carmichael uh, while extolling John Lewis. I, I don't know why you have to mention Stokely Carmichael at all. They, if anything, they worked in conjunction because uh, Stokely Carmichael was the threat, so to speak. And John Lewis could say, look, you don't like me? There's Stokely Carmichael. And so you could say they worked in conjunction uh, that way. And I'll tell you this about Stokely Carmichael. I feel lucky. I got to see him give a speech once. We're now about Stokely Carr. He's freaking brilliant. He was one of the quickest thinkers I've ever seen. Uh, He was funny. And by this, by the time I saw him, he was kind of losing it a little bit. So yeah. he was going off on all sorts of kinds of wacky theories and stuff. But it, it was uh, uh, it was at the University of Wisconsin in Madison in about 1977. And when he took the questions and answers from the audience, Ramana, it was amazing because like people would be criticizing the conservatives there, and he 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 would be like, "Come on, bring it, bring it." He would just I was so amazed and impressed by him, and. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel as though uh, Bill Clinton was like sort of 
settling some old dispute in his mind that had nothing to do with uh, John Lewis. I was irritated. But you know what? This goes back to the Epstein thing. I'm struggling with Bill Clinton these days, Romana. I'm, and, it, and, and get your thoughts on this. This goes back to Donald Trump in 2016 made the grab the women by the P remark, or they, that, that tape uh, emerged. And what did he do to undercut a tape that should have sealed his defeat? He brought forth to the stage for a press conference on the night of the debate. I forget how many women it was that had three or four. Whatever it was, whatever it was, who claimed that Bill Clinton had uh, sexually harassed them. Uh, one woman claimed he raped her, and it just like really put a halt to so much of the opposition to him, and it enabled Republicans to say. Democrats, this is your guy. So don't act like you're all holy on this subject when you support Clinton. And ever since then, Romana, I got to tell you, I have a lot of issues with Bill Clinton appearing at things. I know he gets invited. He was at Aretha's funeral. He spoke there. He was at the John Lewis. So it's like, well, he's an ex-president, Ben. That's It adds so much to it. But I don't know. I'm struggling with this. What are your personal feelings about this? Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of people have talked about Bill Clinton in the recent years, especially when um, Monica Lewinsky's life, you know, that was a scandal that, you know, was about to, um, you know, unravel his presidency, but didn't. But that was a one incident or the allegations, um, you know, well, we know what happened there, but it wasn't an allegation. But, you know, the sexual harassment stuff we heard about a lot during Bill Clinton's uh presidency and we heard it before when he was running but people kind of dismissed a lot of those allegations i think we're at an age now especially with me too those allegations aren't going to be dismissed so i don't know i think people do kind of step back and look back i think a lot of people especially women are thinking a lot about you know how bill clinton gets to get away with um, a lot of the allegations that were set forth against him. I don't know. He makes like $20,000, like every speech that he makes. Um, I think he's just seen as this lovable character and not to say that he's not this smart guy. And he's, you know, a lot of people say he's very charismatic. I remember when he was president, people would say that he does have the charisma. I've seen him, you know, in, you know, I've, I've been in presence of him when he's given a speech or just like came off like, you know, Air Force One. And he does kind of have that aura for him. But um, I don't know. I think people are going to talk about him a little more in the next coming days. I think the Jeffrey Epstein case and the allegations and the paperwork that's coming out on him, the more his name comes out, I think the more he's going to have to sort start to answer for himself. I think he's kind of been given a pass all these decades. And, um, I think, I think that, I think the, the world has changed. It should, it shouldn't have been that way, but I think people are asking more questions when it comes to allegations of sexual harassment or, you know, it, it, I think if the Monica Lewinsky situation happened now, things would have been a lot different. I think a lot of Democrats would, would have spoken up more than they did back then. Well, it's, um, there's some parallels, uh, between what went down with Monica Lewinsky, what I see happening in Illinois here with uh, Madigan. Yeah. And uh, in other words, Democrats, the attitude is, I'm going back to the Clinton days, um, we can't allow the Republicans to tear down 
uh, our leader, our president. Uh, we have to remain loyal to our president. Uh, I remember, uh, I know many Democrats who felt this way would just get passionate about it. They get caught up in the actual fight uh, as opposed to looking uh, you know, at what he was accused of. I have a confession to make. I was that way back in 1998 or whatever it was, 1999, whenever that was going on. Most people were. They said, you know, that's his personal life. You know, that shouldn't have, that shouldn't affect the presidency. Wasn't that what people would say? Yeah, they would say uh, you should. Okay, the issue was that he lied. Yeah, he lied under oath, and then people would say, well, he was lying about uh, to save his marriage, so that doesn't matter. And uh, and yes, he was set up the whole thing. The Republicans spent eight years or however many years it was to get to that point where they could nail him. Uh, and I might add that Brett Kavanaugh was part of the Ken Starr uh, group of investigators who was building the, the research against him. I don't know how they he should be on the Supreme Court. He's clearly a political operative. But uh, so I'm speaking for myself as much as other Democrats are like, I got caught up in the um, partisanship of it. I think, and I, think I lost track did. of the issue. A lot of people did. I remember. I remember at the time when it happened, um, a lot of people were, a lot of people started quoting Europeans and how like the French <laughs> wouldn't care about something like this and yeah. how unsophisticated we Americans were. And they talked about our, you know, being us being puritanical. And and I remember, like you know. I, I just remember, like, I just thought the, you know, the questions and, and all that stuff. I mean, I remember, like, watching, like, the, you know, the impeachment hearings and Bill Clinton. And it was just, it was kind of like a circus at the time, I would say. Um, it was just interesting. And I've been following, once in a while, I listen to, like, Monica Lewinsky or, like, you know, there's articles that come out about her. And it kind of just it destroyed her life, that incident. And it, you know, I think as a woman, a lot of women do talk about how like he was able to be scot-free from that incident. And if, in, in, if you really think about this is a workplace thing and he was her superior and whatever happened shouldn't have happened. And, you know, people do bring out those power dynamics that were between them and how he's been able to go on with his life and kind of blossom even after his presidency, while she kind of, um, you know, she talked, I remember reading an article where she said that she, you know, she goes like, she wanted to get married and have kids. She isn't married and she could get married, but she was just saying like, what guy's going to take me home to their parents? Oh I'm my God. Gonna, then yeah. I'm always going to be that woman that, you know, was, that was part of the scandal. So I thought that was really sad when I, I read that, you know, read that interview with her. I, I, I'll go one step. I would put Bill Clinton in the Trump category in this regard. So Bill Clinton because of his inability to have any kind of self-control, put the Democratic Party in a situation where they had to throw away all their supposed values about how men treat women, how an employer treats an employee, uh, and uh, to defend him. He walked away emerged uh, from the presidency, went on and made a fortune, as you pointed out, giving speeches, uh, has this worldwide prominence, gets to be a featured speecher, a speaker at eulogies of great Americans like Aretha Franklin and John Lewis. And it's like, he's still up to his eyebrows <laughs> in 
evil doings with Jeff Epstein, and he's still playing those Bill Clinton games where he's denying it in such a cagey way that he's not really. It's like he learned nothing, Ramana. It's, it's as though there were no consequences. There were no consequences for his behavior. Yeah, he continued doing it. For sure. I think people just think that he's this charming guy and he gets gets to get away from it. That's the way I've seen it, right? He's Bubba, right? So, yeah. I mean, that's where people like see him as good old Bubba. And, you know, that's just Bubba. But I do think I do think this the latest that we're seeing on the I, – oh, I saw his name trending on Twitter right before I went to bed yesterday. And I, I don't think this is the last that we've heard about his name in connection with um, Jeffrey Epstein. So I think we're going to see more in the next few days or weeks. All right. Well, let me just uh, do a tease for the interview that's going to happen next week. Leonard Goodman has a whole bunch of theories uh, about the prosecution uh, of Ghislaine Maxwell uh, at Jeffrey Epstein's uh, procurer, if you will, uh, and uh, and how it's aimed at Trump as opposed to Clinton. So we'll be taking that deep dive uh, with him next week. All right. Let's move on. Oh, by the way, George Bush. Uh, a lot of my listeners passionately upset <laughs> whenever they see George Bush uh, propped up as the anti-Trump Republican. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I, I have I have a lot of friends who are the same way, too, because whenever people say, well, at least Bush, you know, had decency. And, and you know, I have a lot of other friends who are on the, I mean, the, the left and they're like, he did a lot just because he didn't behave the way Trump did. It doesn't mean that he he was totally innocent or didn't have, you know, blood on his hands. And they talk about the Iraq war and all these other, you know, draconian measures that came in while he was in power and his and his cabinet. So, yeah, I know he's he's kind of seen he's kind of been revered now. I think Donald Trump has helped elevate him because, you know, people talk, you know, they always when when uh, whose funeral was it? where uh, John McCain and Michelle Obama were, um, not John McCain, George Bush, yeah. uh, W and uh, Michelle Obama were sharing candy and everybody was like, you know, they had memes of George Bush with, you know, his covering his head with his umbrella. So he's kind of turned into this cute and cuddly character after Donald Trump has gotten gotten into office. But there are, there are very loud voices uh, uh, of people that you hear whenever people talk about George Bush that like, chime in and say well not so fast he wasn't as great as you think it is but i I think it i think it has helped his image a lot yeah because trump is so bad uh he can't help look good but uh no i i got i'm I'm with my listeners i have some issues uh (laughs) listen if it's going to help defeat donald trump i'll put up with it i guess i suppose you know what i'm saying if contrasting george bush bush's relative civility uh in matters like the funeral of a civil rights leader as opposed to donald trump's like clear hostility to everything that john lewis represents and his defiant uh reluctance to show up like he lets everybody know i'm not going Mm -mm, i'm not so if that uh, if that contrast helps defeat Donald Trump, I can put up with it. But I got a lot of issues with George Bush showing up at these. <laughs> well, I got, I got, I still got to watch Obama's eulogy because I'm assuming that was great because he's just a great speaker. Yeah, it was, um, it was a masterwork. Uh, it was classic Obama, uh, where he, you know, I, I, I tease him about this. Not, I mean, I don't know him, but I, I tease because he he won't won't come out and directly say something. He'll kind of subtly weave it in, like the old law professor that he is, and yeah, then yeah. he leaves he it up to the tap dances around a lot. Yes, 
yeah so he'll 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 insert like little uh sentences that suggest that make his point without directly making his point and then reporters go then they do that thing where they go well what he's clearly referring to is so they yes. they spell it out for the public who would it would just go right over everyone's head the old law professor barack obama um and uh, all right right wing snowflakes this is my obsession i wrote about it last week's reader uh they they dole it out but they can't take it do you share my frustration with them yes i read your column and i thought it was great and um the point that you brought out is when colin kaepernick um had you know took a knee for the national anthem all these people on the right didn't defend his free speech but when it comes to their this is what the gist of your column was right when it comes to their quote-unquote freedom of speech they're all complaining about it so it doesn't go both ways it's like yes we'll protect our freedom of speech and they're they probably say that about the left right they probably say that the left only care about their freedom of speech and when we speak out and it's just i, I don't know i thought you were pretty much point on with your column and about um, just bringing up these different various issues and these various points. And, um, you know, I know there's a lot of right wing or, you know, columnists who have more conservative point of views who are out and speaking out about how they're being censored. But so far, I mean, there was that one, uh, you know, after Tom Cotton had his editorial uh, written in the Sun-Times and the editorial editor of the New York Times had stepped down he he stepped down. He wasn't fired. And, you know, then we have Barry Weiss, who resigned. She wasn't asked. She, you know, so a lot of these people are saying that they're silence, but ultimately they're the ones who are leaving. And they're not, you know, nobody's saying, nobody's taking away their free speech. I think the point is that they're being challenged for the first time in their life, or they're being challenged by a lot of voices instead of one, like, letter to the editor that comes out. They're having, like, you know, a collective, you know, challenged by a lot of people so i think that's what's scaring you know a lot of these individuals who are complaining about their freedom of speech being taken away because so far nobody's freedom of speech has been taken away it's that whole thing like with gone with the wind when hbo max um and it was hbo max ben took away uh <laughs> gone with the wind for a little bit and brought it back with a disclaimer yeah. people are like oh you're censoring movies but you aren't because if you really want to watch gone with the wind you can watch it i just actually got a copy of gone with the wind um from my in-laws gave it to um, Mick last week when he went to my father-in-law's uh, birthday. Mick, Mick told me I need to watch it. I've never seen it. He's like, I'm not saying it's a, he's like, it's just a time capsule. So I, uh, I'm going to watch Gone with the Wind for the first time in my life. All right. Well, that that's a, a, a good segue into your Romano's recommendations. I, I, I've seen Gone with the Wind. I could not stand Gone with the Wind when I saw it. I, man, I saw Gone with the Wind back in the 60s, and uh, it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, and most of uh, over the years, I've seen bits and pieces of uh, that are uh, just I find unwatchable. Uh, which are so blatantly uh, racist. So I'd be really curious what your thoughts about uh, uh, oh, Gone I'm Wind. sure I'll pick it apart. <laughs> uh, I'll be watching with Mick and be like, oh, whatever. Yeah, you know, man, so. what, what, I'll tell you what, you, that, 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 that is really, uh, that's love that you're going to watch Gone with the Wind um, yeah. um, because of Mick's and, recommendation. And just, and just to let you know, it's, it's true love. I have to watch, I told Mick that I'd watch the first Star Wars episode with him. This is not oh. the first Star Wars with Mark Hamill. He got it from Netflix and he's had it for like six months. <laughs> and, and I told him to watch it by himself and he's like, I don't watch movies by my myself and i'm like okay i'll watch this with you i never wanted to watch any of those prequels but i told mick i'd watch it with him uh, this weekend 
All right. So what's your recommendation uh, for this uh, weekend? I, you know, that's the one movie I'm going to watch. I don't know if I have a recommendation. I did. I did. uh, would recommend that the book that you gave me in the mail, Vanishing Half. So thank you for that book. I'm trying to think there's got to be some sort of recommendation that I've seen, like for movie or TV. And I can't think. Well, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. First of all, uh, Van- uh, Vanishing Half is a great book. Uh, it's a great read. And uh, Britt Bennett is the author. I'm glad you got a chance to read it. I urge everybody to run out. It's the number one book in America right now. So uh, it's not like she needs the sales, uh, but it is a, it's a great read. It's about uh, racial identity. I don't want to give too much of it away. And, and colorism. Yes. And, and it was very, it was very interesting. Yes, I thought it was that, good. What's your recommendation? And that's uh, my nephew, Elian. Okay. Yeah. I kind of recommended this before, and now I'm halfway through season two. I'm telling you, Pose, oh, yeah. in my humble opinion, I'm going to say it, is the best, what are they, a streaming show I've ever seen. There, I said it. I am so into POSC. <laughs> it's a whole subculture I didn't know anything about. I'm not going to pretend I knew about uh, the underground trans subculture of the 1980s in New York City, mostly black uh, and Latinos. But, man, it is such a good movie. Billy Porter, the costumes, the music, the dance, the dialogue, Billy Porter, who plays the MC, it's so freaking good. So I urge everybody to run, don't walk. To watch I, I definitely have to check it out because I don't know. I didn't see you as a pose kind of guy. <laughs> you see, you, I never knew that you're into costumes and clothes. So now I gotta now I gotta see like what what it what you like about it. And I do trust you. I think you have pretty good taste, and we kind of like some of the same things. One thing I should say, I am going to recommend something that my mom is recommending to you. This is my mom's recommendation. My mom has been watching this Turkish 500 part. Um, show for his 500 episodes it's called Earthigal and it's uh-huh. about like it's about this time I forgot what period but it was a hit like a couple of years ago and my mom is watching it and she said it's really good and it's on Netflix so I might watch it at some point wait so how do you spell it it's E-R-T-U-G-U-L Earthigal uh-huh. And it's been a hit like all over the world. It's a Turkish um, series. And um, I remember reading about it two or three years ago. And my, it has like 500 episodes. So it's 500? Like, that's yeah. all. God, that's my, mom is, my mom is halfway. But apparently it was a hit all over the world. So that was something I was like thinking uh, about. I'm like, I think this pandemic is going to go on for a year. So I might have to sit down and watch something by myself t- sometimes when I'm, you know, reading a book. But let me see if my nephew has any recommendations. Do you have any recommendations? Uh, no. He doesn't have any recommendations. Oh, after all that? <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, come on, man. Yeah. We've been waiting a half hour. You couldn't come up with one re- TikTok, something. I mean. Uh, We're live, Elion. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't have any recommendations. He does like video games, so. You watch five minutes after this, he's going to have like 20 recommendations and then it'll be too late. I'm sorry. No, we'll bring him on. He'll be a recurring uh, guest on the Ramada Hussein, uh, Ramada's nephew. Any more recommendations? Nope. Still don't have any. Uh, How about a nice teacher that you liked, uh, you know, at school? Whatever. Give a a shout out to a teacher or something. Do you want to give a shout out to anyone? To my parents. To to his parents. My sister, my older sister and my brother-in-law. 
All right, this kid was raised the right way. All right, he gave a shout out to his. Could have given a shout out to anybody in the universe. He gave a shout out to his parents. I like this kid. All right, Ramana, I want you to stay safe and sound, uh, and have a good weekend. You too. Uh, And we'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye, Dennis. Bye. Hey, nice haircut. It looks great. Thank you. Yes, for sure. All right, the great Ramana Hussein, Chicago Sun Times uh, editor, columnist every week on the Ben Jarofsky show. Any, any updates for us, Steve, before we head out that door? Yeah, we got one here. Uh, surprised Elion didn't give us uh, any thoughts on his Uncle Mick. <laughs> yeah, Mick threw Mick under the bus. <laughs> he gave us. <laughs> Poor kid is like, who's this weird guy? <laughs> oh, man. But you watch. I'm t- I, I swear to God, I think he's just say he's 10. I know 10 year olds really well. In five minutes, he's going to have a million, million recommendations. Okay. Yeah. It's just going to pour forth. But at first, it was like a habada, habada. <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway. uh real quick here frank was wondering on the live stream chat if you can remember i know you write stuff down hopefully you wrote this down what's the name of that show romana's mom recommended again uh e-r-t-u-g-u-l Ertugal. i believe that's uh how you pronounce it and I, 500 episodes I'll give a first three or four a watch yeah. uh, but i'm open to, i'm gonna see romana's mom recommended uh, check it out you know and 500 episodes and $500 said you pronounced it wrong. Okay, let's... Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's... Well, at least I got it. I think I spelled it right. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, we got one update here. Uh, it's basically uh, yesterday. I know, Ben, you wanted to touch on this a little bit. You were debating whether or not uh, what to open the show with. Uh, so uh, this is Pritzker's press briefing in Peoria uh, and LaSalle counties yesterday. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote it here because I'm looking at it straight from Capital Facts, baby. Rich Miller. Uh, it says here, uh, speaking to downstate Peoria, an area Pritzker has put his warning on his warning list. The governor suggested that residents are at a crossroads. Pritzker said, quote, we're at a danger point. Everybody pay attention. Now is the moment to wear your mask properly. Much of the increase in cases has been tied to the 29 and under population, large social gatherings and households spread from family members to family member. Uh, and it says here uh, in Capital Facts, if a region surpasses certain thresholds, metrics include percentage of people testing positive, hospital capacity, and rising hospital admissions. Then officials can choose to tighten restrictions from a menu of options outlined in the new tiered system. So it looks like here July 31st, uh, coronavirus is still around. Cohen uh, looks like it's coming back, in fact. Uh, ben, your thoughts? Well, Dennis and I, we, we talk about this all the time. Uh, and we talk about, we've, I mean, we've mentioned this on the show, uh, just the politicization of this virus and wearing masks. Uh, it's, it's the point of it's ludicrous. And uh, that was one of the, the, the things I mentioned in the, the column uh, that Romano just and I were just alluding to about how, like, if you, the snowflakes on the right. So if you make fun of the, um, the folks who showed up in Palm Beach County in Florida testifying against a county ban or a county uh, mandate to wear a mask in public places. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, those bits, Dennis. I don't think we played them on the show. Oh, I remember months uh, ago we were talking about Florida and all those bros. Well, no, okay. This is before, this is after the bros. These are people who say like, like the mask is an infringement on the right. The mask is a health hazard. People actually get the virus from the mask. Uh, and then there's this, they, 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 uh, 
compare the the commissioners who want to uh, make the mandate uh, to uh, tyrants. Uh, they, they're taking away my rights, and uh, it's just they're really bizarre comments, and the people look weird. Okay, but if you call them weird, the right says. You're not being fair. You're an elitist. You're a snob. You think you're better than uh, all these people. So it's that snowflake counterpunch. So you, the right is supposed to be able to criticize the left anytime it wants. But if the left like just points out that someone sounds like they're out of their freaking mind down in Palm Beach, Florida, like you're disrespectful. Wait, someone so in they, Florida out of their mind? No, <laughs> no. So uh, I, I just... I can't shake it in my head with the report that you uh, came back with when you returned from your visit downstate at the week you spent there after, uh, after your dad died. How many people aren't wearing masks? Uh, how people make fun of you for wearing masks? Uh, how there's this contempt at government for trying to suggest they sh- you should wear masks. Yeah, it was like and, it was a lot like high school. Like uh, Principal Pritzker said, "Put your mask on, screw him." You know, and it was just very. Like I said, uh, there was a gas station I went to, uh, the same gas station. The first time I went in, nobody was wearing masks. The second day in a row, I went in, everybody was wearing masks. So it's like uh, it's like very. I don't know, very weird, inconsistent. And so uh, the point is that I saw this uh, in the article that you were just alluding to. Four counties have been put at the warning level for risky behavior, LaSalle in North Central, Randolph in the Metro East region near St. Louis, which is your neck of the woods. Yes, it is. Uh, it's centrally located Peoria and Adams along the Mississippi River. So uh, it, it it's a source of like dark humor for you and me to talk about how divided the country is. Uh, at the same time, it's kind of scary. You and I talk all the time about how this virus is going nowhere. We're going to be in the attic. We're going to be remote for the foreseeable future. We're not going back to our beloved little studio. Let's be honest. And uh, it's probably until there's a vaccine we're going to be dealing with this. And yet, I don't know, what is it? 35% of the country thinks it's a a hoax, uh, thinks that masks can lead to you getting coronavirus. It's it's just a form of insanity. And that's why, again, I'll repeat, I have sympathy for Pritzker because he has to deal with both parts of the state. You know, it's not like Lori Lightfoot. Bless his heart. Yeah, Lori Lightfoot's like, Chicago's pretty much on board, more or less, you know, and when she says something like, I'm going to take your car, like, Seems like seventy five percent of Chicago goes, yeah, right on. I won't just turn the car around. Oh yeah, I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Hey, I needed a ride. Yeah, (laughs) has she uh, said anything about uh, Madigan yet? No, just look it up. Wait, let me look. Let me look. (laughs) Nothing. She's so tough on that guy in the car. I thought for sure she'd be tough on Madigan. No? <laughs> One more time, D. Look. Uh, no. Wait, let me look. Hold on. Uh, I won't just turn oh, the car oh, around. We heard that already. I'm shut it off. I'm going to yeah, kick okay. you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for that toughness with Michael Madigan. All right? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so we have, that's why I have a little more sympathy for Pritzker because he's got to go down to the Metro East area where people have the Pritzker sucks signs 
And you know, uh, there are those there are those downstate. It's not everybody that thinks Pritzker sucks and's not wearing masks. I have a handful of friends. I see it on Facebook a lot who are, you know, very cautious, want to wear their masks, uh, you know, using their I don't know, brains, you know what I mean? So, you know, you let's let's just not throw them all in there. Yeah, yo, uh, fair enough. You were telling me about uh was it, it was you? Yeah, about some bartender was yeah, it, I it think it just bartender? happened. A uh, very popular uh, restaurant and bar uh, in Alton, Illinois. I'll leave the name out. I'll just say it. Max Timeout. Um, yeah, apparently one of the bartenders uh, got the test for COVID and then continued to work while waiting for the results, not wearing a mask. And then the results came out positive. So what do you hmm. do there? Wear a mask. That's what I would do there. That would be my advice uh, to that bartender. But uh yeah, so it's uh, the country is clearly divided, uh, and I don't know. I I, I I try to, and they show with a little hope, D, but I don't see anybody out there uh, with the potential to bridge this divide. Yeah, um, but I feel like you and me, we've kind of been like, you know, uh, what's, you know, what is not uh, locking yourself in your house for four months and not seeing anybody? And what is uh, completely thinking it's a hoax? You know, what's yeah, yeah, what's the middle, the middle ground? I think my stepsister said it best. Uh, shout out to Brooke. I mean, you don't listen, but shout out to Brooke. Uh, she said, I think the middle ground is using your brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> nailed it. A good line. Nailed Wait, it. Hold on. Brooke doesn't listen. Hold on, Brooke. <laughs> I don't want to hear any nonsense. Are you not listening? Well, she's not listening. How's she going to hear this? Oh, good point. You know, that's a good point, D. I got to give you credit. That's a good point. Hey, Hold on. The phone's ringing. Oh. Hold on. Wait one second. Hold on. Really? Wait a minute. Uh, yeah. Hold on. Oh, it's Romana's nephew with his list of recommendations. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, wait. finally. Better late than never. What's he got? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, Star Wars. I don't know. All right. No, that was just a bad joke. All right, uh, D. So uh, wait, hold on. Things. I got a phone call. Hold on. Yeah, really? It's Romana's nephew. Hold on. He's calling me now. <laughs> What's that? Okay. Dora the Explorer. Okay. Thank you very much. What if the kid hates it? What if the kid's listening right now? I hate that. Oh, out of here. I hate that show. All right. <laughs> Uh, all right, very good, D. And uh, uh, we want to we want to remind everyone too uh, to check out this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews every weekend, available at both Chicago Sun Times and Chicago Reader websites. We have journalist Jonathan Ballou, the Ben Jarofsky Show debut of Jonathan Ballou. Uh, that's going to be on Saturday. On Sunday, it's another cannabis conversation with our good friend um, from the Chicago Reader, Lisa Solomon, and Joseph Friedman will be joining her. And on Monday, the return of our dear friends Lori Glenn and Juanita Irizarry of Friends of the Park. Guys, we have over 600 episodes of this program, all right? If you've listened to every single one of them, hey, hats off. You're amazing. Also, you're crazy, all right? Catch up. <laughs> Help catch up. I, Brianna said she hasn't uh, heard all of them, so, you know, uh, make just catch up on uh, the programs. If you've listened to the bonus interviews or there's something, just go look through the archive. We have so many episodes. Over 500,000 downloads as well. Uh, we're looking at you, a million. Uh, we thank everyone for downloading and listening. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been awesome. Even during quarantine, we're still getting downloads, Ben. Yeah, I love every uh, download that we get. By oh. the way, Diaz, I'm sitting here getting these updates. Uh, they say Biden's coming closer and closer to announcing who his VP will be. So probably that's a topic that we'll be discussing next week. I got a feeling that uh, 
uh, he'll be announced, making that announcement All soon. All right. I'm, I agree with you and Monroe. I think it's going to be Kamala Harris. Wait, hold on. We got oh, breaking audio from Joe Biden. Play the radio. Make sure the television, <laughs> the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. That was for you, Fred. You know, I uh, I should have asked Ramana's nephew who he thought that Biden would pick. Maybe we were waiting on that, huh? All right, I want to uh, thank Kelly. Dora Cassidy. the Explorer, I think it is. Okay, for VP, uh, I want to thank Kelly Cassidy. I want to thank Ramana Sane for coming on the show, and of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy uh, of Alton, Illinois. Without who, show would not be possible. As Ramana and Kelly and Ramana's nephew can tell you. Back home in Alton, they call him Dora the Explorer. Oh, no one calls him. <laughs> Dennis the Explorer. Dennis, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a good weekend, everybody. That's correct. Play the radio. Make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The the, the phone. Make sure the kids hear words. Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off, I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. That's correct. That's correct. That's correct.